Hello, welcome to Eye Three Ears, your ophthalmology and OCAP support of you podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are not meant for diagnosing anything on anybody's eyes and are for medical education only. Each week, we take a high yield topic and talk about the why and the how. And this week, I wanted to talk about this because I have been watching a JR Tolkien based Amazon TV series, which we don't want to give free publicity, so I won't name it. But because I've been watching this, it's made me want to do an episode on the Rings of Trauma. Yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah, right. I don't come up with these episodes. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I just I maybe want to talk about Rings for some reason. <laughs> now, one thing to clarify is that. You know, if you haven't heard of these Rings of Trauma, and they're actually, we just looked, or it doesn't look like they're in BCSC, but they're like a concept that, that is talked about. So I think it's a useful way to categorize these different mechanisms of injury inside the eye. They all refer to closed globe injuries. So definitely don't get this confused with like the zones and open globe injuries. This is all where the eye stays closed and never opens up, but it's an injury that you can get when you have blunt force trauma that compresses the eye and then it expands and then it can rebound and then oscillate and that oscillation and rebound can also cause injury. So real quick, yeah, to that point, this episode, don't think of it as a episode that tells you the differential for ocular trauma. These are not the seven things of a differential that you need to think about. There's because there's others and probably more. But these seven things are really good things to think about when you're worried about the mechanistic and biophysical things that happen during uh, during blunt injury. And they're good because I think some of these things are easy to to miss if you're not thinking about them. If you're seeing a patient like in the emergency room with closed globe trauma, like you know, it's easy to kind of not think about, hey, what's their ciliary ciliary body doing when you're seeing them in the emergency room. But knowing and understanding these things helps you know why you're doing certain things. Like, why am I even doing a dilate exam in a patient who has a closed globe injury in 2020 vision? What's the point of that? And, you know, these kind of remind us of what we're looking for. Without further ado, uh, I'll start with the first one. So the first one is probably the most common injury that you'll see that will cause a patient to present to the emergency room, which is trauma to the sphincter pupillae. So we're going to kind of start from the anterior to posterior. So kind of the most anterior ring that we care about is sphincter pupillae. So again, with all these rings, you imagine they're stretching wide and then snapping back closed and then oscillating until they return to normal position. So if you think about the the sphincter, the pupil, that muscle that is a ring around the of the iris around the pupil, if it rapidly stretches wide and then snaps back, you can cause a tear in it, which is usually radial. And that can cause a number of issues, including your traumatic hyphemus, then later, an impaired pupil response. So when you try to do a, you know, if you see someone 10 years after this, you try to do pupil exam on it, it looked like they have an efferent problem, you know, along with that traumatic mydriasis, which may be um, symptomatic for the patient. So that's one thing to look for. It's probably the most obvious because it's the most anterior. And then just behind that, the second ring of trauma is at the iris base. So that's where you get what we call iridodialysis or disinsertion of the iris from the ciliary body. Sometimes you'll see that actual gap, like at the slit lamp, between the iris and the ciliary body. As, but sometimes it'll be kind of hard to see that gap if you're not doing gonioscopy, but you'll have what we call a D-shaped pupil, where one part of the shoot pupil won't be kind of pulled out towards the towards the ciliary body. Yeah, that's the flat part of the D, right? Yeah, exactly. And that makes a flat part of a D. 
Yeah, the left, the left part, the left line on the D. Yeah, yeah, the flat left part of the D. Yeah, so if you can imagine that, you can get a D-shaped pupil. So if you see that, you know, sometimes I think often we see like, oh, something is weird with the pupil. There must be like a corneal laceration and an open globe. I mean, it's definitely possible. Check for all those things. But it's one, if you have never seen it, one thing it could be is an iridodialysis. Although there, there are other things to not mess, mix up with that, like a surgical iridectomy that may have oh, yeah. purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like a purposeful incisional thing could, could do something like that too. <laughs> or, or so like, you know, not to say I've seen it, but, you know, in theory, if you're doing cataract surgery and you accidentally grab iris and pull hard, you panic and try to pull out the eye, you could cause iridodialysis that way too, in theory. Yeah. Um, along with a couple other things that we're going to talk about. So, Andrew, the next couple rings have to do with glaucoma. So what is the... Okay, we. I'll, I'll preface this by saying that Andrew and I actually spent a lot of time before recording arguing about what this is, if it's a real thing. So what is the supposed next ring of trauma, Andrew? Okay, so this supposed next ring of trauma is tears in the trabecular meshwork, which, yeah, just it's a little, I guess, not posterior to the iris space necessarily, but is right next to it. I don't think this is really what happens in trauma. Yeah, if the tr entire hula hoop of the trabecular meshwork is forcibly stretched to be a bigger hoop, very temporarily, yeah, sure, I can see the trabecular meshwork disrupting or something. But everything that in, in Ben, Ben was the very hardworking individual to put this episode together, everything that you had been seeing like mostly case reports about these tears There's two of them yeah, like associated <laughs> with you know higher pressure and worse glaucoma i mean if all you're doing is ripping the trabecular meshwork that's what i do therapeutically every other week with migs procedures goniotomies ice stents hydrases whatever that shouldn't raise pressure it should lower it technically the, th the fact is that it's a confounder, right? Like every case where people were like, hey, there was trauma and we see a rip in the trabecular meshwork. There's also the next thing we're going to talk about. Angle. Yeah, recession. which is much more relevant, right? Yeah. But, you know, just you can imagine maybe the trabecular meshwork might be disrupted during trauma. Don't worry too much more about that. And it's not a BCSC, so really don't worry too much about it, but it's just in the classic seven rings of ocular yeah, trauma. This this episode would have been in the six rings of ocular trauma, and then Ben couldn't make his Amazon joke. Yeah, 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 because that wouldn't that wouldn't fit. So, what's the fourth <laughs> ring, Andrew? <laughs> so, uh, this is the next one is angle recession, where gonioscopically you'd see like a widened ciliary body band. We're not going to talk too much more about angle recession because we have other episodes where we really kind of talk about it in depth, but just to refresh your memory about what distinguishes it anatomically from an irododialysis or a cyclodialysis, think again of from outside to in, superficial to deep, the layers of tissue around this area. You've got the sclera, then you've got the just deeper inside, you've got this ciliary body, and the most superficial layer is going to be the longitudinal fibers of the ciliary body. And then deeper to that are the ciliary or the circular fibers of the ciliary body. So an angle recession is a tear between the longitudinal and circular fibers of the ciliary body. So that already, we're talking ciliary body tears, 
the iridodialysis that Ben was talking about with the D-shaped pupil thing, that's going to be more anterior. It, that's a tear of the iris from the iris base, which hasn't quite gotten as posterior as the ciliary body yet. Right. But what about the ciliary body then? What, about what happens with that? The ciliary in? body, yeah. So if the ciliary body is disinserted, we call that a cyclodialysis cleft, basically. And that's when the longitudinal fiber, yeah, the longitudinal fibers of the ciliary body are disinserted from the scleral spur that's uh, more superficial to it. So from inside to out, there's circular fibers of ciliary body, longitudinal fibers of ciliary body, and scleral spur of sclera. And the angle recession is a tear between the first inner two and then the cyclodialysis cleft is a tear between the outer two. And the one in the middle is kind of getting double duty in both pairs. The longitudinal fibers of the ciliary body are involved in both. So, I mean, you know, I, not to, I know that this is like your jam as a glaucoma person. Sorry. But it, no, 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 no. I was like, I love the detail, but clinically, why does it matter? Like, why do I care for angle recession or a ciliary, or a, a ciliary cleft developed? I mean, it's like, we're talking about like one little bit of ciliary body tissue. Yeah, good question. All this pedantry is very useful. It results in totally different phenotypes. One is going to have high pressure. The other is going to have low pressure. And Ben, huh. you know which one they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. But <laughs> Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> for, for our dear listeners. So, you know, agrocytosis classically increases your risk of getting high pressure or can cause high pressure later. And then a ciliary body cleft can actually cause low pressure by opening up that uveal tract. Right? Is that right? And then yeah, letting yeah. more fluid flow through it freely without any filter mechanism from like trabecular meshwork, et cetera. Yeah. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's horrible. Yeah, um, it causes bad <laughs> hypotony and then my macular wrinkles and then everyone's sad. So. <laughs> so again, all this stuff, think back to what Ben had said at the beginning. The mechanism of injury here is uh, expansion along equatorial planes and then oscillations which all these tissues should not be either expanding or oscillating in that plane. So that's why all these things rupture and break and split apart from each other. The next further posterior ring to this is, I think, ring number six, right? Yeah, ring number six. And I so think what's, it's uh, relating to ciliary bodies and what sticks or comes from them or sticks <laughs> to them. Right. Yeah, I think it's like sort of posterior to this, which is the zonules. So another ring is the ring of zonules, and those can as they expand and contract and snap, like those little pulleys can snap. And, you know, this is why I think with cataract surgery, you should always ask about whether your patient had trauma because that could have, you know, compromised some of the zonules or they could be very obviously compromised and the lens can start to dislocate. So that's definitely something to to think about when you have someone who's had a significant closed globe injury. And just pedantry again, repetition is key. Zonulars are made of fibrillin mostly. My favorite kind of illin, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Now, now we can finally get to what your real favorite is. Yeah, in all this seven. Okay, we're done with all this glaucoma nonsense. Okay, now yeah, the glaucoma. seventh, the most powerful ring of power. Now, oh, 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 no free pump, no free pump. The most powerful ring that is the most important of all these is the retinal aura. You know, I think most ophthalmology residents, hopefully at this point in the year, know that if someone's had some good trauma to the eye, you've got to dilate the eye and see what's going on inside. And I think a lot of 
folks will think, oh, I've got to look for my classic horseshoe flap retinal tear. And that can certainly happen if the trauma somehow traumatically caused a posterior vitreous detachment. But that's actually not like, if it's a young person with a well-formed vitreous and the posterior vitreous is not detached instantaneously, which it usually doesn't after just blunt force trauma, like, you know, that same night or whatnot, it's actually usually the retina disinserting at the aura, which is what retinal dialysis is. So it's the edge of the retina at the pars plana disinserts and like just basically completely comes off. So it's not like you have a horseshoe flap. It's like the edge of the retina is peeling off the, the back wall of the eye. So, you know, we talked a little bit about retinal dialysis in our retinal tears episode. So you can go there to hear more details. But as a reminder, it's usually inferotemporal or superior nasal because of, you know, blows generally come from inferior temporal or straight temporal. So you'll have an either um, or dialysis there or directly contralateral to it, uh, you know, kind of a coup contra coup sort of idea with, with dialysis. That's why in theory, if someone's had significant blunt trauma, you should do a depressed exam at some point because it's really easy to miss dialysis because you're definitely not going to see it if you don't depress because it's all the way out to the very edge of the, the retina. I do Those have are a question the for you, Ben. Sure. About retinal dialysis. Like how on a scale of uh, retinal tear uh, to regmatogenous retinal detachment so one to i don't know one to one to ten uh-huh. as far as acuity of needing to get this taken care of where does a retinal dialysis fit yeah that's a really good question um you know in general we'll use those kind of mac on mac off rules but the really big thing that can sometimes make a dialysis not quite as urgent is usually the vitreous is well formed and attached so because the vitreous is still there, sort of the tamponade, these detach, when they detach, they usually detach slowly unless the trauma did something else, you know, to pull on something else. And, and you know, especially there's like an open globe or whatnot. Isn't it the well-formed vitreous that is often the cause for the dialysis? Right. I mean, in theory, the well-formed vitreous is kind of pulling, the, the vitreous base is pulling on the edge of the retina and causing it to disinsert. And in this case, it would be from trauma, you know, and usually for dialysis, it's trauma that does it, that, that causes that vitreous base to kind of quickly jerk on the, the aura and then, and, then, and then peel it off. But it's still like the, the vitreous base may be kind of disinserted from the eye wall, but it's still attached to the retina, which makes it different from a posterior vitreous attachment where liquefied vitreous can rapidly get under a retinal tear and, you know, rapidly progress a detachment. <laughs> this is more like usually if a young person gets a retinal attachment, It'll also progress more slowly because the vitreous is not liquefied yet. So they can definitely get local liquefaction that can get under atrophic holes and cause attachments. That's why atrophic holes, sometimes you don't even have to laser because if they have to wolf form vitreous, it'll tamponade it and that no liquefied vitreous can get under the tear. So yeah, it's kind of complicated. If they have dialysis, I would probably almost always treat it. But if it's like still essentially attached dialysis and it hasn't really detached significantly and they don't have symptoms or suggestion of retinal traction. Sometimes you might consider things like laser barricade or even cryotherapy around the thing, depending how large it is. But, you know, that's a whole thing. It really is case dependent. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry to derail. Like, Oh, no, no. I love talking about episode. it. I will take any invitation to talk about it. But, but yeah. Okay, so just as a uh, quick, you know, um, review of what we talked about, there are seven rings of trauma that are classically described in a, which is a closed globe phenomena. So if you have someone with a closed globe injury, there's no opening, it was blunt force trauma, like they got punched in the face or something really hard. 
then the things to think about so you don't miss them are injury to the sphincter pupillae, which are easy to miss if you're not looking at the slit lamp, injury to the iris base causing iridodialysis, a trabecular meshwork tear, which is not a really a clinically significant thing, but really what you want to look for is angle recession. Like angle recession is really what you care about, like clinically. Ciliary body dis, uh, disinsertion causing a ciliary cleft, traumatic dislocation of the lens from injury to the zonules, and um, retinal dialysis due to injury to the retinal aura. Oh, so those are. Th- I didn't yeah. even say how to tell apart angle recession from cyclodialysis clefts. How do you tell apart angle recession from a cyclodialysis cleft? Allow me to now tell you another 10 minute interlude about how you can and you can't sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd love it. Yeah. What? No, just, just kidding. Basically, oh, okay. sometimes you can tell, sometimes it's hard to tell. Mm. But usually, hey, there's high pressure in one case, low pressure in the other. That's usually good enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Um, if you like to be heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes 4 ears at number four. And if you want to support the podcast, you can leave a rating review on, uh, on iTunes or wherever you found us. And I eventually will update the website again to match. Uh, also, apologies to those of you who kindly reach out to us on Instagram. And then I realize you all did so a month later when I remember to check it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well... We, I didn't know we had an Instagram. Thank you for running that. We've had it for a while. Uh, I know, I know, I knew that. Maybe we need a social media manager. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but we, we were not taking CVs at this time. I don't, Correct. I don't have to review them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. I gotta ask you about that show. <laughs> of Rings of Power? <laughs>